the last Sunday before Advent. It's the last Sunday of our church year. And today is known by some in the Christian tradition, including ourselves, as Christ the King Sunday. In theory, this is a wonderful idea. We celebrate the royalty of the one true King of all, setting aside time for us to remember the regency of the divine. But it's interesting that on this feast of Christ the King, when we are poised to celebrate the incredible and all-encompassing authority of Christ, we are presented with a gospel passage like this one of Jesus' darkest hour. The first time I read this particular gospel lesson in conjunction with this particular Sunday, I could not possibly imagine what the lectionary committee was thinking. Betrayed, beaten, and mocked, our broken king hangs from the cross. Christ the king is here, king of the Jews. An inscription hanging over his head meant to be a joke. Another mockery of his life's work, his word of justice and truth, predictions of his glorious coming. This can't be our king. There certainly seems nothing to celebrate, much instead to mourn. And here he hangs, dying on the cross. Many dreams are being mocked and are dying alongside him. It is a dark day in Luke's gospel. Our reading from Jeremiah tells us that God was to raise up a king who shall reign and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. The people of Israel were expecting a king like David, who would drive out oppressive forces of the Roman government with an iron fist, with a sword, or with war if necessary. What a shock then to the downtrodden Israel when their savior came born in a manger to an unwed mother. What a disappointment when their new Messiah brought not a sword, but a few years of healing and teaching. What a defeat when their king was crucified, killed with criminals on either side by the very government they thought he was sent to overthrow. Christ, as an earthly king, was a failure. He did not wreak havoc on the Roman government. He did not end oppression or raise Israel to its status as chosen. He did not bring an end to poverty or pain or suffering or evil. He did not execute justice and righteousness in all the land. It's a morose passage for a celebratory day. In celebrating the sovereignty of Christ by reading about the crucifixion, we are, it seems, making the cross his throne, and by the height from which he hung, the height by which he rules. By celebrating Christ the King Sunday with this gospel, we are proclaiming that the power of Christ is in his death. My friends, this is not the image of Christ the King I choose to accept. We must hear this part of the gospel, this hard and painful truth. But more importantly, we must know that it is not the end of the story. 
We must not accept this as our image of Christ the King because by accepting it, we accept the violence, the hate, the misunderstanding, the ignorance, the abuse that put him there. Christ is the King above all that. Christ is the King risen. Risen above blood and gore and destruction and pain. Christ is the King that conquers the cross and smashes it to splinters. When you look around our church, with the exception of our crucifixion window, all of the images of crosses from the one over the, on, over the altar to those on the wallpaper and the kneelers, the one on the cover of our prayer book, they're all images of an empty cross. It's not an accident or a design choice but it's a theological statement. The empty cross is a cross where Christ is no longer. It is a cross that Christ has conquered. Jesus took on the full range of human experience in his years on earth, the deep love of friends and family, the sadness of loss, the disappointment of betrayal, and finally the pain of death. But we must remember, friends, that it wasn't the death that brought Christianity into the world. It wasn't that horrible death that turned the world upside down, but the life, the resurrection, the reign of Christ. And because of the life and the resurrection and the reign, we know that we ourselves are impervious to death. Because of his great resurrection, not the death, the resurrection, when those we love leave this world and when we follow them, we will be accepted into a life eternal. That is the promise of Christ the King, not death, life. Christ, once disguised as a shattered and ruined earthly king of the Jews, is truly king of all. Christ was bigger than the emperor of Rome, bigger than presidents, bigger than nations, bigger than war. What does it mean then for us to be, excuse me, to be a citizen of Christ's holy kingdom? First and foremost, it means that we citizens do not own justice. We do not own righteousness, nor can we confer it upon anyone we choose. Sometimes this can come in the defiant form of that first bandit. Save yourself and us. How often do you find yourself demanding God to be the Savior that you need God to be? Prove yourself, we challenge God. Give me what I want, what I think I deserve, or I will take it upon myself. It's when the world is tumbling down around our ears, good people, we Christians, we call upon God this way. But it's our own self-righteousness, our own mocking of the hanging Messiah that causes us to believe that justice is ours to mete out. Secondly, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven means to follow the example of an earthly Christ who came not with a sword, but with love, to heal and to teach. We are called to emulate the earthly example of our heavenly king. We are called to try and walk as Jesus walked, stumbling in our awkward humanness, but still trying. This walk, 
this journey toward the kingdom of heaven is what makes us Christians imperfect and broken, but striving for that justice and righteousness. Thirdly, to be a citizen of heaven means that we are loved deeply, forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, and never, never forgotten. Being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven means owning and living up to love that we have we receive but have never earned. Next Sunday, Advent begins. And while at the mall, they will be playing Christmas carols that sing, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. We won't be singing those yet. We won't be celebrating yet the newborn baby with the weight of the world on his tiny shoulders. We're still waiting. We're waiting for the birth of our king, born humbly and laid in a bed of straw. We're waiting for the life of our king, teaching peace and wholeness. We are waiting for the death and the resurrection of Christ, our king, who takes away the sins of the world. And friends, while we are waiting, we will hear ancient stories about the deep need in this broken world a need for this child, this God-man, this Jesus, who will die as humanly and as humbly as he was born. But more importantly, who will conquer death and who will reign Christ, the eternal King, over all of heaven and earth. Amen.